Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm Adam Best, here as always with the golden voice of Sterling Holmes and producer Richard doing his thing behind the scenes. We're both wearing uh, blue today, I guess in support of the Royals, you a little bit more obviously than me. Draft, the draft is about three weeks away in Kansas City. You ready to uh, start cracking on some uh, some draft takes? I'm ready to start cracking some draft takes and cracking open some KC beer. KC Beer Co., the best sponsor in the world. They came out with an IPA. It's called Never Say IPA because they said they would never come out with an IPA. And let me tell you, I was able to grab some, drink some on Saturday. I tell you, I bleep you not. First sip I had, I said, oh shit, this is good. I mean, literally, it was really good. I'm not gonna front, I love Casey Beer Co. I love every single beer I've ever gotten there, but they were making an IPA and I was a little skeptical. Didn't know how it was gonna taste. By far exceeded expectations. It's incredibly good. Make sure you drink responsibly, 21 plus, but I could not recommend Never Say IPA anymore. If you live in the area, make sure you go check for the red carton. That's actually a green carton, the Never Say IPA, but Never Say IPA, incredible. Casey Beerco, incredible, and dare to beer different. Today, we are going to do just a couple segments. And the first is Hot Take Kingdom, our old, mm-hmm. uh, our old favorite. We're so back, baby. We're, we're back. back. We're back. This week's Hot Take Kingdom is, once again, the Chiefs should trade up in the first round. Welcome to the kingdom. I miss that song. It's a banger. (laughs) (laughs) Is that going to be playing in the Kelsey jam? Probably not. I think it's safe to assume that probably not. So for most franchises, I'd advise trading back, not up. Rack up dart throws to build your roster with. But the Chiefs aren't most teams because they have Patrick Mahomes, which means they're in perpetual title contention and will always draft at the back of each round. It will be difficult to draft a franchise player in the 29 to 32 range where the Chiefs have spent the past half decade. But they need to find new superstars to eventually take the torch from Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. So my suggestion, my suggestion. Instead of using extra draft capital to acquire, say, DeAndre Hopkins or a Frank Clark Orlando Brown Jr. type, a good but not great player you have to overpay to get, both in terms of of contract, potentially, and draft draft capital. They should go younger and think bigger. Lastly, my hunch is that Clark Hunt will want to make a splash while hosting. I think that's a pretty safe assumption. I know know he's not the splashiest guy in the world, but... uh, you don't get very many opportunities to host a draft. You know, he's uh, he's not bringing Gracie Hunt to the owner's meeting because he's going to be around forever. You know what I mean? So before we dive into some targets that I've identified, some trade-up targets, do you have some overarching thoughts on this premise? Yeah, I, I think it's a good thought. And I think the odds are li- more likely than not that he would trade up rather than trade back. I personally wouldn't be opposed, but I can talk myself in all three ways, which I know is not the most exciting take to have. I know that's probably about as mild as ketchup right now, but you fence it or you no, 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 but I, I think trade up is the way I'm going. The only way I would say trade back is because teams are finding it more and more valuable. That fifth year option, obviously it is for Kansas city and the chiefs as well, but I think there's two players in this particular draft that I'm in love with Derek Hall and Cedric Tillman. 
And I think you're okay. reaching at 31. So for this particular draft, I think you can find some value of those two guys in the second round. But that's only if you can get those two guys. If you don't get those two dudes, my entire hypothesis goes out the window. So then I am stuck here saying the the main, uh, or should I say the, the, the best option probably is with what you're going with here. Yeah, and trading back would be an option. I think actually the year we took CEH, we might have traded back if Green Bay hadn't have traded for Jordan Love right in front of us. We were probably looking to trade back to get to get the CEH, but kind of got stuck with that pick. And that could happen again. Or some team could trade us for Hendon Hooker, you know, to take to take a late quarterback because for a quarterback, you definitely want that fifth year option. But I just can't see Clark Hunt letting them not have a Thursday night pick when they're hosting the draft doesn't make sense to me. So not only are we, we going to go over five targets I'd like them to pursue, and we're going to have you kind of offer a counterpoint for each one. I have three that I don't want them to trade up for, which which might be pretty polarizing. I know one, I'm going to be really out there on a ledge because he's very, very popular. So let's dive in. My first player, maybe my favorite player, is Iowa Edge Lucas Van Ness, 21 years old, six foot five, laboratory built Spags Edge, 34 inch arms, carries his 270 pound frame exceptionally well, 45840, and plays fast. High end reps against tackles like Paris Johnson Jr., who will probably be a first round pick, if not a top 15 pick himself. And as a sophomore, he can still add more power to his game. He has the inside-outside versatility that Kansas City covets. He could even go in the late single digits. But if he drops, I say there's an opportunity to pounce. What do you think about Lucas Van Ness? Yeah, I think it's very, very interesting. He reminds me maybe too much so of George Karloftis. Uh, I don't know if they would go with a similar style of player, you know, that more or less bull rusher, bigger-bodied guy, nicknamed Hercules. So they're going to be one Hercules on this team, but I do like it. He seems more game ready. Uh, looking at it, though, it, it looks like a lot of his overview labels him more as a 3-4 guy. The Chiefs run typically a 4-3. I wonder how much of an issue that would really be, especially if you're trading up for a guy. You want someone who really fits your your system. Yeah, and I think that could be a potential issue, but I see a guy who can win, win at nine technique, three technique, pretty much anywhere you put him except nose. He has the moves. I think he's he's not the most bendy guy. I'll give you that. But he is more bendy than than George Karloftis. I think he has I think he will flash more than George Karloftis. Most of Karloftis's plays as a rookie. And I'm not saying he won't be a good player. He isn't already on his way to being a good player. But most of his plays, his sacks, his tips were hustle or motor motor plays. You didn't see him just instantly Chris Jones beat a guy uh, with some sexy move. Yeah. That's not really that's not really really what he does. I'm not sure that's what he'll ever be. But this guy, I think, has a little bit of a higher ceiling. He's first of all, he's a better athlete. He's a better athlete. But if you're looking for that bend, he's not really the guy. But I don't think that's that's Spags's mo anyway. I think he likes these these long long armed powerful guys. Uh, that can play inside and outside and let him have that ultimate interchangeability. 
Yeah, the versatility is nice. But again, I, where I'm at is I think the Chiefs would need to switch it up just a little bit. You have the power rusher in Karloftis already. Give me a bendy guy. Give me a speed guy. Then you can mix and match. You still have the versatility, but it's versatility in a different way. Uh, you know, going up against Orlando Brown Jr., he could probably handle George Karloftis, but could he handle a speed guy? Uh, that's the kind of mismatches I'm hoping the Chiefs go for if they were to trade up and draft an edge in the first round. Well, there's a guy on my don't list you might be interested in, but we'll just leave that cliffhanger, you know, dangling out there. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we'll move on to our second player I would like the Chiefs to consider trading up for. And that is Ohio State wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. So he's 21 years old. He's like if you told AI to design a slot receiver. He's just like perfect. Six foot. Now, He's not going to play. I thought you meant Allen Iverson at first. And I was sitting here like, I was like, I guess Allen Iverson was a very good high school football player in his own right. (laughs) Hey, he's got, he's got the quick feet. I can see him crossing some guys up. I know you're a Philly dude. So you, when I say AI, everyone else thinks of artificial intelligence, but you think of, (laughs) you think of the answer. Six foot one, 200, uh, 200 pounds, not 220, not fast per se, but lightning quick. He had the fastest three cone and 20 yard shuttle of all combine participants, every single one of them. Pretty amazing. He's the only wide receiver lock on my board. The only one, the only guy that I'm, that I feel confident saying he is not going to bust barring injury or some disaster roster. He ends up, I, I think he's pretty much bust proof. And I think he's a perfect juju replacement in terms of how, how these guys win. I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you guys that he had 347 yards in the 2021 Rose Bowl. That had to be mentioned. So think a rich man's Julian Edelman. And in full disclosure with my process, I used to be a big college football fan. But as, as I got older and got married and got into other things and pretty much try to watch every single minute of NFL football that I can, I had to kind of slowly give it up. And at this point, I intentionally choose not to not to watch so I can come to the draft with fresh eyes. And once about March hits, I just fucking devour every podcast, every, you know, Dane Brugler's beast, our, our buddies at KCSN, anything I can get my hands on. And I think it's an interesting way to approach things because I don't know, you, you don't get uh, as caught up in the storylines. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like the player. No denied. I'll get to that in one second. I just don't know how much draft capital you'd have to move up for as angry drunken German says uh, to move up into the top 15. I mean, he's going early. We're not talking, you're moving up a couple spots. You're moving up a good chunk in the first round. He's going where Alave went probably like 11th. Yeah. That's a huge move. That's 20 spots right there. Uh, speaking of Olave, he was actually on the same team. As Olavi and Garrett Wilson, uh, just those guys had incredible rookie seasons. And they both came out and said, yeah, Jackson's actually the best of all three of us. He's the best of all of us. Um, Again, if you can get him, it's going to be a pricey move. But if you can get him, uh, again, I'm with you. I I think it's almost a, don't want to say bust proof because 
There's always guys that you think are bust proof and they, they bust. We know, but he would be a great bet to have a great career, especially here in Kansas city. Again, if you look at his athleticism score, the estimated he's ranked as the fourth wide receiver, the fourth most athletic wide receiver, Lance Zerline has him as an NFL comp to Jarvis Landry. You mentioned that great Rose bowl, but he actually averaged, he averaged 192 receiving yards per game in his last five games of the 2021 season. Yes. It would be very, very entertaining. First off, that Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry is slow. This dude isn't slow. And he, in terms of quickness, he's probably the quickest receiver we've seen this year, last year, in, in terms of operating from the slot. Now, Stacy, our guy Stacy, has a good point. Moving up 16 slots costs you 31, 63, and 95, maybe one other pick. I would try to do that with some picks from next year, maybe get some players involved. But my question to you and the audience would be, the New Orleans Saints paid a, a pretty penny, that's a tongue twister, to acquire Chris Olave last year. Do you think for one second they regret, regret having what looks like a top 15 receiver already as he heads into year two? No, they don't, but they regret having Derek Carr and, and Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston as their quarterbacks. The Chiefs, obviously, you're right. They have more, I don't know if you want to say wiggle room, but they have the quarterback right, so that obviously helps out. But the one thing you can't do when you're in this position is you can't have that pick bust. You can't move up to 11, give up you know, 31, 63, 95, and maybe another pick, and all of a sudden, injury-related or, or otherwise, you can't have that happen. Because if that happens, you've really screwed yourself you really made it more difficult than it had to be. That's the one risk of trading up, especially that much. If you miss for any reason, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball. I'd feel confident betting on this kid. I really would. And Evan Warner says, problem is we need an edge rusher too. When do we draft him? I think we're fine. My plan now, if you can get an ideal pass rusher in, in round one or two, you take the shot. But with Charles Aminahue, who I'm very high on, and George Karloftis kind of coming into his own, Mike Dana, I think we can find another Melvin Ingram, Carlos Dunlap, Terrell Suggs, another vet who wants to come in and do some cheap ring chasing. I'm, I'm more confident about finding that guy to play some snaps and be part of the rotation than I am finding a, a wide receiver too that can come in and immediately contribute, especially given the way Andy Reid treats rookie receivers. I, if, if I was Veach, I would almost think, who is the most Andy-proof receiver in this draft that I can? that's so good I can make Andy play him? And I think that's JSN. Jason. Again, a little steep for my budget. I get where you're coming from. The player, yes. The draft capital to receive him, uh, as well as – Again, putting yourself behind the eight ball when it comes to tackle, edge, and other positions. You, you, there's no such thing as a luxury pick. Uh, we found that out with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, no such thing. This would be a little overkill, in my opinion. All right. Let's move on to the next prospect, which is Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid. 23 years old. Um, that's older for most positions, but for a slow developing position with a longer shelf life, I think that's fine. He's 6'4", 245, exceptional athlete, very fluid, uh, racks up a ton of yak. What I've been really impressed with is sort of his innate post-snap recognition, something that Travis Kelsey has. Now, I'm not saying he has it to that degree. I don't know that anybody has it to that degree, maybe in the history of the position, 
but he has a little bit of that same gene. So I think he would be the perfect apprentice for Travis Kelsey when he's still here. I think it, you know, no offense to Noah Gray and Jody Fortson, good players. I don't think either one of them has a range of outcomes where they become an all pro. I just don't see it. Uh, nobody will ever replace Trav, but I think this could be the next best thing. He, in my opinion, is the most pro ready Y tight end of the last decade or so. And let me be clear, he has less upside than Pitts, but not dramatically. And I would say at this point, coming into his rookie season, he has a better feel for the game than Pitts did. Again, not the, not the freak that Kyle Pitts is. I really like the idea of you know zigging where others expect us to zag because there's this wide receiver shortage in the trade market, in free agency, not a great wide receiver class, this rookie class. And we've been so damn good passing out of 12 and 13 personnel. Why not lean into it? Why not go Gronk Hernandez and just light up the league with what helped us win the Super Bowl instead of reaching on a receiver or trading for an aging Hopkins or signing Odell who's on his last leg? I would prefer this. The issue with Kincaid is one struggles run blocking. So if you have him and Travis out, good luck trying to run. Travis is a fine blocker. He's above average run blockers at tight end. But if you have another guy, that's why the chiefs put value on Blake bell. Uh, they needed a blocking tight end. I, I don't like the first round draft pick of a tight end. I, I just don't. I know he keeps saying Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey wins the incoming. He just had his best season in the NFL. I understand the back issues. I understand you don't count on, a guy at his age continuously doing this, but it also feels a little foolhardy just saying he's going to fall off a cliff because Aaron Rodgers and the Packers did something similar with Jordan Love. They thought Rodgers was about done, and then Rodgers continued to play, put up two more MVP seasons, and now you have no idea what you even have in Jordan Love. Now a little different quarterback and tight end, a little different. You can also play two tight ends at the same time, but the positional value, you're not going to see it. You're not going to be running 12 personnel 80% of the time, so you're not getting the value of Kincaid that you would of another position. That's where I'm at. I don't disagree with the player himself. I disagree with the philosophy of you're not getting the best first round value, the best ROI drafting a tight end. I will also point out, I'm going to go through the last first round uh, tight ends drafted in the past 10 years. Bear with me. Give me your thoughts. Tyler Erfurt, Bengals, Eric Ebron, Lions, OJ Howard, Tampa, Evan Ingram, Giants, David Njoku, Browns, Hayden Hurst, Ravens, TJ Hawkinson, Lions, Noah Fant, Broncos, Kyle Pitts, Atlanta. Which of those guys scream that was worth a first-round tender? That was worth a first-round draft pick on a tight end? Kyle Pitts. Have we seen a lot from him? He had 1,000 yards as a rookie, which is like – Have we seen a lot from Kyle Pitts? Mike Ditka shit. He got hurt last year. He got hurt. I I mean, if if I was Veach and Atlanta called me up right now and said, give me your first and second for Kyle Pitts, I I would – I would like dislocate my throat saying yes. That's what so, I think of Kyle Pitts. But so one in the past 10 years, that's a 10% hit rate. I agree. But I think there's been sort of a, a paradigm shift at this position. And one of the problems I think in the past, there's another player I don't like at this position because a lot of times you want, you want a George Kittle and those, or a Gronk and those guys just don't exist that are great at blocking and great at receiving. So what I say is fuck blocking. You know, it, it doesn't really matter that much. 
Travis Kelsey is basically an X receiver. Don't think of him as a tight end. Think of him as an X receiver. If you look at uh, statistics since 2015, he's Mike Evans. He's DeAndre Hopkins. You know, he's not, he's not a tight end. He is essentially a de facto receiver. And you, you, you basically are playing an 11 personnel with Dalton, Dalton Kincaid as a move tight end. And, and maybe you run the ball by having this great offensive line, especially in, in the interior, and spreading out the field and having these interchangeable uh, multiple parts. Again, you're just not going to get me with the list. I don't think a first-round tight end makes a lot of sense. You're about 1 of 10 on the hit rate. Kyle Pitts, sure. But I, I just don't see the value as well. Uh, it's such a finicky position. TJ Hawkinson's maybe the only other name you could say, yeah, that guy might have been worth, worth a first-rounder. He's not even on the same team. He was traded. I also think I found my favorite comment of all time. Now, be fair, Holmes. Atlanta is a sack of smashed monkey asses. Just abysmal. <laughs> he, he, he's not wrong. I mean, uh, Arthur Smith refuses to pass to both Kyle Pitts and Drake London. I've never seen a team spend top 10 picks on a receiving option two years in a row and be the run heaviest team in the league. It just makes no sense to me. But I digress. We've kind of reached... We, well, we haven't reached a consensus. We disagree, but I think we've expressed our opinions on Kincaid. So let's move on to Tennessee offensive tackle Darnell Wright. Maybe this will be the one that we finally agree on. So 21 years old, six foot six, 330 pounds, 34 inch arms. So he's got the requisite length that the Chiefs like. Um, according to relative athletic score uh, via Kent Lee Platt, I think he is what math bomb on Twitter. He's the 44th best athlete at the position since 1987. Nimble feet, violent hands. I think he's the quintessential right tackle in this draft. And here's a bonus. He'd be playing next to ex-teammate Trey Smith. That would be a lot of fun. I think that would make the integration process easier. Andy Heck could make this guy into a monster. I think the only drawback here for me is would this be an over-allocation of resources to one unit? You can reach a point with the offensive line where you're putting so much into it that you kind of neglect other spots on the roster. I, but, but as we established last week, protecting uh, Mahomes is, you know, the most important thing we can do every single year. Yeah, I'm very intrigued by this. If you look at the highlights, and I know they're called highlights, not lowlights, so you're going to see the best <laughs> of the best. But dude's filthy, just nasty. He's a big dude, and he just pancakes guys. He makes it look easy. 6'5", 333. Uh, again, athletic. He can do it all. I would be very intrigued. This is the one where I'd say I would consider the trade-up. Yeah, it's a lot of allocation of resources at one position, a.k.a. offensive line. But I still have question marks in the future of, are they going to pay Creed Humphrey? Are they going to pay Trey Smith? They've not paid centers in the past. Guard is one of the more, quote-unquote, rep uh, replaceable positions. What's going to happen with Joe Tooney? They can potentially get out of that contract after this year. Uh, what's that going to look like going forward? So as much as you, you can say, how much allocation is too much to the offensive line? You made the case. It's never enough. You, you're right. Half billion dollar quarterback and Patrick Mahomes. That's the most important thing. You have to constantly rebuild, reload, retool, develop talent on the offensive line. Andy Heck, a great O-line coach. Uh, he'll get the best out of anyone. I, I'd be very excited about Darnell Wright. I just don't know how much you'd have to trade up. Uh, I've seen, you know, the Steelers aren't going to look at him at 17. 
that leaves spots open. Uh, maybe you're looking in the early 20s, hopefully, so not a massive trade-up. If that's the case, that'd be great. I would be very intrigued. He's been rising in the uh, draft media mocks. I saw him pretty high in, in Lance Zerloins and um, I think in, in Daniel Jeremiah's too. So, But I agree with you. I think similar to the trade we pulled off for Trent McDuffie last year, and to me, that was a price we could stomach, right, for a quasi-blue-chip player. Mm-hmm. Man, I think we, we finally found a guy that we might have a little bit of unison on. That It, it just feels good, Sterling. <laughs> it feels good. It feels great, man. I, I don't like arguing or disagreeing with you, so I, I like this. It's good for the airwaves, though. But if at first you don't succeed, try three more times, right? <laughs> Last on this list, and this is, this is the most hot takey and fun, Georgia defensive tackle, Jalen Carter, 22 years old, six foot three, 314 pounds, solid link for an inside player. In my opinion, he's the top prospect in all of this draft, albeit with character concerns. Oh, the double thumbs up for those of you listening on the audio. Down, down. Don't say up, down. Oh, down, down. You think I was agreeing with you? No, I just said it's backwards day. I was trying to do two things at once. So I said, best player in this draft, albeit with character concerns. I think he's been the top player on what's been a loaded Georgia defensive line for two years. And I mean an absolutely loaded, maybe the best college defense we've ever seen. He's simply a game wrecker, unblockable at times. Can you imagine him next to Chris Jones? I mean, game over, man. Game over. Now, the only way this happens is if he falls because of the off the field stuff. I'm talking like a Randy Moss, Laramie Tunsil type tumble. And it gets to the point where the Chiefs say, you know what? I think we have the, the best culture in the league. We've handled these guys before from Justin Houston to Tyreek Hill and everyone in between. So it, it, if he falls, I just think he might be irresistible to a team like the Chiefs. Just, just think about it. Close your eyes and picture him and Chris Jones next to each other and what offensive coordinators would do. Could they I do get it? it. I get it. You're not building a a church choir over here. I understand this. There's just too many concerns. What about the nine pounds overweight? This is your time to put everything behind you. This is your time to showcase what you are. You've not made the money yet. What's that tell you? You've not even signed that contract. Now you're nine pounds overweight and you do a horrendous job at your pro day. Which, by the way, everyone looks good at Pro Day. Everyone does. That's why everyone's talking about Will Levis right now. It's hard to look bad at your Pro Day. He looked brutal. I'm out, man. Like, that that gives me some current concerns, not just off the field stuff, but concerns as far as, is he really is his heart really in it? Is he just going to balloon up? How much does he really want to play? That, that gives me some issues there, man. I don't think he's going to drop to the end of the first round. Some team will draft him. I, I'm not saying top 10, but he'll get drafted top 15. The talent alone. I'm not giving up a ton of draft capital to trade for a guy that has a lot of concerns. I'm out, man. I'm completely out. Angry Drunken German says these draft picks are burning a hole in best pocket. It's just too many for him. Yeah, it totally is. It totally is. I think one of the cardinal sins NFL teams make is they overrate their ability to evaluate college talent and develop it. I mean, the coaches think any player they can develop and the GMs think they can't miss. And it's a crapshoot. Now, the Chiefs have been on a roll, but that luck 
you know, but if, it's can, a, if it's a crapshoot, wouldn't you want to have more darts? I mean, I, what I'm saying though is you you overvalue those picks, you overvalue those dart throws, and Jalen Carter. Now, the hardest thing about being a draft prognosticator is that we don't have the medicals. We don't sit down and interview these guys. You know, I can't have a face to face with Jalen Carter and figure out how much he loves ball. You know what well, I mean? Do you have any concerns that Drew Rosenhaus will only meet with people who draft in the top 10? That's not a good sign for me because teams can trade up to the top 10 to draft them if they wanted to. It's short-sighted. But if you would try and read between the lines there, what's going on in the interviews? I don't know what's going on. I, I, I'm just sitting here trying, trying to think of the reason why you wouldn't have him meet with those teams. I think he's got a promise. I don't know if it's the Eagles. At, what are they at 10? Maybe they've got a promise. Maybe they they know they won't slip beyond a, a, a certain point. Yeah, but if a team trades up to nine, they're not going to meet with them? That tells me either the interview process isn't going as well as they want. There are questions being asked that they don't want to get asked. You saw what happened with Dan Campbell, those comments that Dan Campbell came out with. And maybe it's a smokescreen. Maybe it's the Lions saying, we want to draft him at six. And so we're throwing a smokescreen. And maybe his teammates said the greatest things ever about him. But with everything else coming out, doesn't make me believe that. Now, what I'm saying here is like a slip to the middle of the first round, maybe further. I would not trade up into the top 10 for him, maybe like top 12. But if you think this guy, if you think you can get his head on straight, he really, to me, is the most talented player in this draft, especially when you throw out quarterbacks and you look at all the other positions. I don't even think it's close. I think he may, he may be like the closest bet to a superstar we have. So that's intriguing to me. Now, all the other stuff, all the other intangibles, you and I just sitting here, we don't know. But Brett Beach probably knows a lot more than we do. Sure. I'm just out, man. I get it. Maybe Veach can be in. Maybe he knows everything. And maybe he's the best guy in the entire world. And all this is a complete misunderstanding. But I'm out. I'm out for, again, a multitude of reasons. I'm out for the nine pounds overweight. I'm out for the pro day. I'm out for the off the field stuff. I'm out. Again, if he drops to 31, talk to me then. I'm not trading up for him. If you give up draft capital and some of these issues persist, this is how you set a franchise back. This is how you set a franchise back that has Patrick Mahomes. That's the way you do it. Outside of a set of major injuries, this is how you set franchises who are on the track to greatness back. Yeah, it kind of reminds me as you're talking, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. The the Titans picked him, Isaiah Wilson. The tackle. Yeah, yeah, and he was basically out of the league uh, very quickly. So again, when you have Mahomes, I understand you want to give him the top end talent, the best players possible on both sides of the ball, but you have to make sure you're not mortgaging your future picks in other positions so you can try and get the top end spot at that. If you want to have the best guy at one spot, but then you then you have below average dudes at three, or do you want above average guys at four spots? You're going to take the consistent above average players. Give me the consistency. That's what I want to see. Man, we're getting double Ryan Sims comparisons in the chat. Ouch. Not a guy you want to be compared to. So let's move on to uh, one out of five, 20%. I'm not, uh, I'm not nailing it with you today, Sterling, but that's okay. Maybe we'll find some consensus here on the, uh, the three overhyped players I would not trade up for. And the first one, this is probably going to break some hearts, TCU wide receiver Quentin Johnston, 21 years old, Six foot three, 208. He's dangerous in the open field. I'm not saying he's not a good player. He tested well on jumps, but was a little bit meh elsewhere. 
kind of had a DK Metcalf like shuttle. You know, he's like turning around a, uh, an Escalade or something, parallel parking an Escalade. Uh, so he has his strengths, like his open field ability, but there are a lot of holes in his game. The biggest being he, he's contact resistant. And I would say he has alligator arms. You'd like to see him be a ball winner at that height, at 6'3 or 6'4, whatever he says he is. But he's not. He's like MVS in that way. He's just not. I don't, I don't see much dog in this guy. I really don't. I'm getting Kevin White vibes out of West Virginia. And I, I hate to helmet scout. I really do. But Big 12 wideouts have been iffy as hell. Really scared me. Really spooked me. So he's getting a lot of heat. He just visited with the Chiefs. On Monday, I'm out on this guy. I, I I would pick him maybe at 31, but I just you brought up Cedric Tillman. Like, what's the what's the difference? I, yeah. I just don't think he's that much better than these guys like Tillman, At Perry, uh, Rasheed Rice, Jonathan Mingo. I, I just don't see why everyone sees Quentin Johnson as some superior prospect, and I'm wondering if it was because of the team's success. Wide receiver. Well, he was what the second highest prospect. Look up the second highest prospect in TCU. Uh, second highest rec- uh, rate of recruit that head coach Gary Patterson signed during his twenty years at TCU. So he had the pedigree coming out of high school. I probably wouldn't either. Again, because I am on the Cedric Tillman train. As far as if I'm going to go with that bigger bodied guy, I would wait just a little. Cause Cedric Tillman's going to be there uh, in the second round one would assume again, I think 31 is too much of a reach for Cedric Tillman, but I think you can get him later on Quentin Johnson. I don't know how high you'd have to trade up to get him to land him. If he's there at 31, great. I'm fine with that, but I, I don't want the trade up there again. Cause I do think there's not a clear cut guy at wide receiver. You mentioned Jackson and I, I'm, I'm with you there, but that's also too high of a move up as far as legitimate moves up, move ups, I think I'm out on Johnson as well. I'm more of a, I'd rather stay at 31 or trade back for Cedric Tillman than go for Quentin Johnston. Yeah. uh, So let's say we have to trade up from 63 to 45 for Cedric Tillman, just to make sure we get him. Are you in on that? Yeah, I'd be in on that. I'd be in on that. Or do you Um, think there's not enough distance between him and the other similar type receivers to justify that? I'm really in on on Cedric Tillman. The only case you can make is I'd also be intrigued from Denzel Mims from the Jets. He's also a bigger bodied guy. We've not seen a lot from him. He'd be a lot less expensive. Don't know what that draft pick would look like having to give up to bring him second rounder from 2021 out of Baylor. Uh, I would be intrigued there. Obviously, you're probably looking at maybe a fourth rounder in that instance. Uh, You maybe a third. I I would say lower. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking just being on the high side, the cautionary side here. Uh, again, I'm also high on Derek Hall, the edge, who's also a second rounder. There's not really a first rounder I've fallen in love with, which again, I think the Chiefs trade up, but my my analytical mind is saying, yeah, but trading back and getting both Derek Hall and Cedric Tillman sure does make some sense. Yeah, and if we're trading back, we just don't have that many roster spots available. So I would I'd try to acquire future picks if that was the strategy. I think we have a consensus here on Quentin Johnston, though. Yeah. Just not, I just don't see it at 15. I especially don't see it at 10. Uh, I think he's falling a little bit because of some of these concerns. Let's move on to um, Georgia Edge Nolan Smith, 21 years old. There's no denying it. He is a freak athletically, but he's simply too damn small. 
43940 and a 41.4 inch vertical, but here's the kicker, 32 and 5 8 inch sort of T-Rex arms and a shockingly light 236 pounds. That, that's like an outlier in, in the NFL at his position. And it's not like, here would be my concern. If he was playing at some smaller school or even a school that wasn't Georgia, I might say, well, we could, we could bulk this guy up. But he's already been in a top flight strength training program, right? And if he succeeds, he'll have to be an anomaly on uh, like Hassan Reddick. And personally, I don't think smart teams bet on those kind of guys, especially small bets. That's fine. Big bets. You, you want a proven track record. If you want a similar player without the risk, and I know you're going to feel me on this one, try to acquire Montez Sweat before a contract year. He's going into a contract year. The commanders have a lot of money tied up in that D-line. They just brought back, uh, they just spent a lot of money on it, and they haven't even extended Chase Young yet. I'm thinking probably get him for what, pick 63? Yeah. He might yeah. be a better edge than anybody you could get at 31. Yeah. Uh, it seems to me that he makes most sense as a three, four outside linebacker. That's probably where he'd be similar to another guy, Micah Parsons. If you want a size comparison, Micah Parsons is probably a pretty good one. Micah Parsons, 6'3, 245. Nolan Smith listed, at least what I'm looking at here, is 6'2, 238. So very similar size. Uh, but again, the Chiefs just don't run that style of defense. I think you can find a way to use Nolan Smith. I would like him the complete different style with George Karloftis as far as if you put your speed guy up on one side, you can put Karloftis on the other. Chris Jones, the, the, the man in the middle, I'm all for it. I'd be intrigued by Nolan Smith. I really, really would. But I would have some concerns scheme-wise, unless this is all one massive smoke screen and the Chiefs are going to a 3-4 because they now have Drew Tranquil. Uh, I'm being facetious, of course. But uh, unless they go to a 3-4, I, I just don't see them bringing in Nolan Smith. Or at least trading up, I should say, for Nolan Smith. And call me crazy, but I, I'm probably uh, guessing that he's not going to be a generational player like Micah Parsons, who, who <laughs> like might be the best, the best defender we've seen since I, I don't know uh, Lawrence Taylor. He's like the reincarnation of Lawrence Taylor. That that guy comes along like once every twenty years, probably. Yeah, it's like when people try and draft the next Aaron Donald. It's just it's good luck. It's good luck. <laughs> the next Tyree Kill. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. lastly on this no trade list, Notre Dame tight end, Michael Mayer, 21 years old, six foot five, two fifty. He's big, good hands, smart, but he's not a dynamic or twitchy athlete at all. I don't see any explosion from here from him. You hear Gronk comparisons, but to me, he's more of sort of a poor man's Witten, poor, a poor man's Jason Witten, which, Hey, Hall, I'll take that. Hey, I'll take that. I said a poor man's. But I, I, Witten's kind of like the Frank Gore of tight ends. The durability is kind of what, what a lot of his greatness has been, been about. And he's sort of an old school F tight end in a new school era that I talked about earlier. Not a scheme fit. I'd rather have a Y. I'd rather have a move tight end. I don't care about the blocking. The Chiefs might disagree, but I think when you're the pass heaviest team in the league, you wanna, you're just concerned with a guy that can be a weapon for Patrick Mahomes. You pay the blockers to block and the tight ends to catch. I think that's kind of kind of the way we roll. What do you think about, about uh, Michael Meyer? My, I keep thinking Michael Myers or Mike Myers. I'm out. You've heard my talk about tight ends in general. He also falls in there. 
Um, again, the positional value just is not there for me going through the last 10 years. Really, Kyle Pitts is the only one you can make the case for. TJ Hawkinson on the outside looking in. First round tight ends just have not been there. You can find the value later on. Gronk was a third. Travis Kelsey was a third, as John F's Wacky World points out as well. I know it's easy to say, well, Tom Brady was a six round quarterback, so why draft a first rounder? We're not talking about a quarterback. We're talking about a tight end. Uh, we just have not seen that sort of correlation anytime in recent memory again outside of Kyle Pitts but a one out of ten that's not a great hit rate I'm not trading up for a tight end I'm just not yeah and I could be cool with that if we grab the right guy Luke Musgrave Sam Laporta the more I watch Darnell Washington's tape the more I'm like this guy is really raw I get David Njoku vibes Uh, but I think there could be options you know, in round two. And I think another trade up possibility, we've mentioned this a few times is instead of going from 31 to 15, you go from 63 to 45. It might be a little safer of a move in terms of what you have to, to send the other team to get it done. Yeah. Well, we hit hit three for three on that. Yeah. I think it's starting to become more and more. I'm not a massive fan of the Chiefs trading up. I thought I was until we did this exercise. I, I really was kind of in on the Chiefs trade up strategy. I'm not saying I'm out right now, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know what? It's going to cost too much to get the player of a certain caliber. If you move up a couple spots, I'm fine, right? If you move up uh, from 31 to 27 because you have your guy there, I get it. But there's not a name that really jumps out at me. That's like, yes, yes. The chiefs have to get this player. Cause for me, I think the chiefs do have a couple of, I don't want to say massive holes, but spots that they can get some nice rookie contracts in at tackle, obviously at wide receiver, obviously at edge, obviously those are more of your premium positions. I, I don't see trading away a, a second or two seconds and, uh, you know, com- in consecutive drafts for one position that puts too much pressure on said guy. I don't like it. I don't like it. The only way you really screw up a situation again when you have Mahomes and you're the the budding dynasty is trading up and screwing yourself in the draft. Yeah, when you get out the uh, the Jimmy Johnson trade value chart and you start looking at what it takes, it can get kind of spooky, but sometimes it's not that bad. Last year, the Lions traded 32, 34, and 66 for Minnesota's 12th and 46th. That's not that bad to go up and get Jamison Williams. If we had to do something like that, like our, our 31, next year's two, and, and 63 to move up, I would be totally cool with that. But if we have to give up our entire day one and day two draft this year, I think that's a little too steep for our, for our t- current uh, team needs. Well, well, we'll agree to disagree just a little bit. And that's fun. I don't want to agree with you all the time. That's no, no fun. It, it's bad that's radio. Boring. Uh, I also love the fact that you have your your beard back already. I like it. You're no longer selling me, uh, uh, what can I do to get you in this Hummer? I like it. Man, I am Homer Simpson. I shave and just, <laughs> bah, it's back right away. So there's not much, I, I, I have no choice. I was one of those kids that was like shaving when I was 11. Dude, I, I feel bad for you. I only grew a horrendous ma- uh, mustache in high school and I couldn't grow anything. Like I still can't grow a good beard. Like it's, it's, it's patchy. It's, I have a mustache, a soul patch, and I can get this going too, but uh, you don't want to see it. I, I look like a high school baseball player, basically. Oh, I, I shaved this morning is what you don't know. Oh yeah. No, okay. no, I, it's probably like four days, five days, something like that. 
Yeah. Uh, before we go forward, I want to show this to everyone out there. Give this uh, promotion out for everyone. If you go to Drafts King, Draft Kings, and use promo code Arrowhead, bet five dollars, get one hundred and fifty in bonus bets if your money line bet wins. Minimum five dollar deposit and wager any pregame money line required. New customers only twenty one plus and present in Kansas. Gambling problem? One 4700 Kansas. See full terms at DraftKings.com or in the description below. You like free money. I like free money. If you want to support us, go to DraftKings, promo code Arrowhead. Thank you. One chat comment before we move on. Matt Reeves, Jimmy Johnson trade chart is outdated and inaccurate. I agree, but I'm not sure NFL teams do. So we got a lot of uh, dinosaur brains in front offices still, unfortunately. We're not all the way into the uh, the analytical era. We're kind of like halfway through this this shift speaking of shifting let's get into today's other segment one of our favorites the casey stock market pump or dump Uh, first off after the mccall hardman experience the chiefs should steer clear of shrimpy or slight receivers like zay flowers josh downs jordan addison and tank dell in the first two rounds what save sterling pump or dump 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 I, I think if you do that, you're just you're just basically saying you're never going to hit on one of those guys ever again. If you do that, then you're never going to hit on Tyreek Hill. If you do that, you're never going to hit on some of these other slighter, slight body receivers. I think it's unfair to label them all in the same boat. Every single player is different. It'd be like saying every single Ohio State quarterback is going to be a bust. Now, I know Ohio State, for example, has not had a good track record of quarterbacks, but if you automatically say we're never going to look at Ohio State quarterbacks ever again because they've been a bust, you, you're potentially missing out on someone who could be uh, the the one. I think it's unfair to do. So I'm not doing that. I'm dumping this one. I'm not saying trade up. I'm not saying go out of your way for any of these guys, but I am saying at least take a look just because you drafted McCall Hardman and he didn't plan out the way that maybe us as fans thought he might doesn't mean he didn't have a successful uh, career here in Kansas city. He was still a vital part of some super bowls. Yes. He's not DK Metcalf, but the chiefs didn't use him or want it, or I don't think wanted him to be DK Metcalf. That's not his style. It's not no. what he was good at. Um, acting, acting like he was going to be that guy uh, is a little unfair. Uh, he was fine. He was fine. So no, this is not shy me away. So I'm dumping. He was also a little bit more raw than these guys. I, I believe if, if my memory serves me correctly, that he was a converted defensive back at some point. Does that sound right? Mm, I don't remember that one. It's been a while. Not going to lie to you. So I, I called you a fence sitter earlier, and now I'm going to sit the fence because I'm a no on these guys in round one. In round two, I'm game. So I guess what I'm saying here is I don't see enough of a difference between the guys that are going earlier in this group, Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison, from Josh Downs, who I really like, and Tank Dell, to to kind of pick one of them in the first round. I would wait. I would wait to see which one of these guys falls. I really like Josh Downs. I think he's got – he's definitely got some dog in him. Got a little bit of Steve Smith in him. And I don't throw that comparison around lightly because that's, that's one of my favorite non-Chiefs ever. Just a fun player to watch. So it depends where where we go. And I will say that this isn't 10 years ago when teams didn't know how to use these guys. Now I think they're, they're learning how to use these different flavors of receiver. They're filling out the receiver room like a basketball team. And these are the point guards. And, and they don't ask them to be big X's. They get them in space. They let them rack up the yak. So I'm open 
I just don't really want us to, I don't want to see us trade up to get Zay Flowers. I think that would be a mistake. I don't know why it sounded like a dating profile. I'm open, but not looking. It, it was just, it just made me laugh. You know, what's the one on Facebook when it's like in a relationship, but, but not, you know what I'm talking about? Remember that back in the day? Yeah. 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 Um, it sounded kind of like you were swinging or something, basically. It's complicated. Richard just says it's complicated. Yeah. That's what our producer says. Good yeah. call, Richard. It's complicated. Me and Zay Flowers were, were in an open relationship. Just joking. <laughs> uh, let's move on before this uh, digresses even more. The, I'll, take, I'll take it. Uh, the Chiefs should continue to take late-round shots at unheralded cornerbacks to prepare for the possibility of someone throwing the bag at LeJarrius Sneed. This one hurts, man. This hurts. Pump or dump? Pump it up like a ball, baby. I'm all in. You have to because the Chiefs have not shown just how I mentioned at center. They have not at cornerback. Javarius Ward, gone. Marcus Peters, gone. Uh, obviously, different regime, uh, but you made the case for Brandon Flowers and Brandon Carr. They don't really pay corners, and why would you when you can consistently hit at cornerback now is that going to that trend going to continue maybe not but maybe they found something that other teams just don't have some teams can hit at wide receiver some teams can hit at edge some teams can hit at corner the Chiefs can hit at corner uh, I hope they find a way to retain Legereus Sneed I'm not saying I want Legereus Sneed gone not at all I hope he stays here but you have to prepare for life after him just in case you can never have too many corners you just can't uh, you have Trent McDuffie you have Legereus Sneed you know, obviously you hope Joshua Williams takes that next step. You hope Jalen Watson takes that next step. But cornerbacks, in my mind, are a little bit like relievers in baseball. One season, they can be great. The next, they can be horrible. And you have to take as many shots as possible. I'm fine with them taking another look at corner. To me, it makes a lot of sense. So much variance. It is a roller coaster with these guys. Even, I mean, to some extent, Jalen Ramsey, who's been absolutely the best core in the game for like half a decade, he was checked out for part of last season, had had some struggles. So no one at that position is impervious to some dips. And it really kills me because you think about the lineage of Kansas City quarterbacks. LeJarrius Sneed, he's got some Dale Carter in him, some Deron Cherry, some James Hasty. He plays like a Kansas City Chiefs corner, but we can't get too attached because as we've pointed out before, part of the Chiefs salary cap special sauce is that they they don't spend money on the secondary, especially their corners. Now, maybe their safeties, but they are the best team in the league, bar none, at finding corners on day two and day three in the draft. And via trade, via trade, that's how they got um, Mike Hughes. That's how they got Charvarius Ward. So as much as it hurts me, he's one of my favorite players, and I would love to see him stay. And he's it's unfair to call him just a corner because he, he, he almost is a – is a safety at times, a, a slot corner, uh, almost even a, a de facto linebacker or blitzer at times. But at the end of the day, he's more replaceable than, than other parts of our team. And you have to stick with the strategy that brought you here. Yeah. It, I hope they bring him back. But again, you want to have that fourth corner either way. You want to have more corners. You, you're going to have them out there. I am 100% fine taking more flyers, especially if you can hit – you love seeing it. Uh, Casey, stock market pumper dump number three. Kansas City should take a shot on local product Deuce Vaughn to replace Jarek McKinnon and hope he's the reincarnation of Darren Sproles. Ooh, this is a tough one for me, man. Not only did I go to Mizzou, but like my brother, I went to Kansas State. I was there to watch Darren Sproles, and that was a sight to behold. 
And it's so weird that this guy reminds me so much of him. Just built like a tough little tank, great hands. Uh, and Marquise Noel. It was really short. It was short King summer at, at K-State. summer. No, no kidding. It's enticing, though, because I do think he will slip because of his height. I mean, you want to talk about an outlier or a, a, just 5'5". Five, five. You do not see it. You do not see guys in the, in the NFL mugsy bogsing it, right? It just doesn't, it doesn't happen. But he is just a different breed. He is, he's enticing. I think if he falls because of his height, like if you could get him in round five, I would pump. If we're talking round three, I'm a big no. So it's very, it's a situational pump here for me. Yeah, I think my cutoffs are actually the fourth round. Uh, if you know me, if you listen to me, uh, I'm definitely on the side of running backs don't really matter. Uh, obviously, there are exceptions, always exceptions. But to the, for the most part, I think scheme matters more than anything, as well as offensive line. Again, the reason why you can plug and play almost anyone in San Fran, they find success. But Deuce Vaughn, again, I'm not saying he he's different, but I do think you can use him um, as a pass catcher. And you could even use him in some of the McCole Hardman roles if you wanted to, because he is so explosive. Uh, he is a good pass catcher. He can do a lot of things that Jarek McKinnon, again, I think he's just a younger, cheaper, slightly smaller Jarek McKinnon. I would love taking him in the fourth round or later on. It feels like his draft profiles, you've heard anywhere from third round, you've heard, un- I've heard some people say undrafted. I think those people are asinine. I think some team takes a chance on him. He would be a third down back a quintessential third down back at worst. Uh, I think he'd be a good compliment to Isaiah Pacheco. That to me seems to be a good fit. Uh, and again, I know he's not a big guy, but he's strong. He's 5'5", 180. That's stout. Okay, 180 at 5'5 five five is a stout dude. Uh, to put it into perspective here. It's a can of tuna, man. Just, just, <laughs> just, just, he's, a, he's, a, just he's sturdy, sturdy dude. Uh, Austin Eckler's 5'8", 200, so he's not quite Austin Eckler size, who's known as a smaller yet thicker back, right? But you're not expecting him to be Austin Eckler. That's not your game plan. The Chiefs don't have a bell cow back, but if he splits time with Isaiah Pacheco, I really think it'd be a great one-two punch. Um, yeah, I think fourth round and on, I would be, I'd be into uh, Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, I'm kind of into it too. Maybe not in the fourth, but I think anytime you can add some local flavor – Think about how popular Nick Bolton has been with the area. So that is another consideration. But the caveat here is Isaiah Pacheco, who was the fastest running back in last year's draft, slipped to the seventh round and the Chiefs got him. So who is the ugly duckling this year that was stuck on a dog shit roster and couldn't shine because of that? I think there's going to be someone there a third down kind of scat back that we can grab later. Uh, so I'm an iffy pump the more I think about it, but I, but I do like him. I am rooting for him. He's a, he's a hell of a player and a fun story. Yeah. Again, I know the size is going to be an issue and the main concern is going to be pass protection for a third down back. That really is going to be the question. Uh, but he's fearless, man. I mean, you saw him in college. It's just crazy. I'm 5'10", 175. If I take one hit, I'm done. Like, I'm in the hospital. I'm done. He's 5'5", 180, and he's initiating contact. You can't teach that. You can't teach the want to to pick up blocks, right? Now, can he's a different question. 
but you can't teach that want to the ability to say, hey, I'm putting my body on the line to protect Patrick. How Jerick McKinnon did last year. Jerick McKinnon was the bodyguard, right? Because Orlando Brown Jr. sure wasn't. McKinnon was the bodyguard. You have to have that want to. At least he has that want to, and that makes me very intrigued. This is going to sound like it's from a dating profile again, but it's not the size, it's how you use it that matters. <laughs> so... On that note, I'd better wrap us up before we lose. I didn't our- hear you say wrap it up. Come on. Oh, jeez. Phrasing. Phrasing, Adam. But uh, it's been an enlightening conversation. I think we're going to have a really good next three weeks or so uh, helping helping you learn as we learn ourselves about the draft. For Sterling, for Richard, I'm Adam. Go Chiefs. <laughs>